Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Women in Compliance podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. I'm Mary Shirley, and today I'm pleased to feature Michelle DeWart on the show. Welcome, Michelle. Please tell us about yourself. Thank you, Mary. I'm extremely excited to be here, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Um, Like Mary said, my name is Michelle DeWart. I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I've been in compliance for about 12 years now and previously came out of sales, which is different from a typical compliance background. Um, It happened very organically, but I do love what I do. I have a wonderful opportunity to be the head of compliance at CSG and previously at Insight in Tempe, Arizona. Super. Thanks for that. And I'm really pleased to see you in such a fantastic role and, and building out your team. That's awesome. Prior to your current role, I know that you were busy incorporating CSR into your compliance program before ESG became a hot new thing for compliance departments. So you were really at the head of the pack, I would say. Um, With that in mind, what can you tell those of us who are following in your footsteps? Yeah, absolutely. So it's always really been a passion of mine. I grew up in a small town in Northern California, and it was something sustainability was something taught in school. Mm-hmm. And I always, you know, lived with that in my personal life. And then as I saw things coming through from vendors, clients globally, um, obviously the U.S. sometimes is a little bit slower with the approach of ESG than other mm. parts of the world. Um, I did see that coming through. And so I started the campaign while I was managing the global compliance program at Insight to grow R-E-S-G. Um, mm-hmm. And I reached out, you know, through vendors, clients, learned what they were doing. One of the things that I found is people want to do the right thing and they want to mm-hmm. be involved. And I wasn't the only one that was passionate about human rights and the social side of things, as well as environmental. In compliance, we already have, you know, the governance piece pretty nailed down. Right. We, we've done that for years. That's that's something that, you know, is just part of what we do on a daily basis. But incorporating in the sustainability and the social side of things um, came with its challenges. You know, mm-hmm. I think that initial reaction is it doesn't apply to us mm-hmm. as you know, we're not a manufacturer or, you know, we're not, we don't have warehouses or, you know, production facilities all over the world, but mm-hmm. it does. We all have that carbon footprint. So what I found is really approaching it with what my net current role or my current leader always says, patience and grace. And you really have to have that, you know, and you have to plant those seeds. And that's where I think the sales background came in is any opportunity I got to talk about it, to plant that seed, I did. And any movement that we got, we announced it. So when we had the opportunity to join the UN Global Compact, announced that globally, mm-hmm. we saw the immediate response from teammates, from partners, from vendors, from clients. People were very excited And that kind of helped change the tone or the people that weren't necessarily on board, bring them closer Mm. to the table. So I think, yeah. So my suggestion to anybody that wants to be a part of it, Mm -hmm. regardless of where you're at in your organization, start planting those seeds, making those connections, um, finding ways that we, you can do that low hanging fruit 
and start making those changes because it does eventually begin to snowball and mm-hmm. you do start to see the change within your organization. Yeah, that's really great advice. And I think a lot of it starts at home or with your own personal values. And I found New Zealand, uh, you may or may not know, has a reputation for being clean and green. And um, I grew up uh, with everybody recycling. uh, And I was shocked when I moved overseas. And some of the places that I'd been to were really catching up. Um, and you know that, that's sort of a shock for New Zealand because we usually we're usually the ones catching up. You know, we're little and and we're new. Um, but this is an area where I feel like there is a lot of opportunity for the rest of the world. And um, in the US, one of the things that I was really surprised about was um, the how prolific it was for people to use paper plates and um, plastic, what, what I'd call cutlery, what the what what you folks call silverware. Um, and, and just using that as, as your everyday consumption. And I said to a friend, do, do you not have a, a dishwasher? Like, I mean, to me, that wouldn't have, still would have been a good excuse. And she's like, no, no, we, we do. And, and I, I really found it hard to take in that there was all of this unnecessary um, landfill, literally trash, rubbish, um, whatever you want to call it. And when we start in our own homes, we we build better awareness and consciousness about these things and we start really good practices. So I'd like to think all of Team Gwick is out there <laughs> um, using uh, crockery that um, is used uh, many times over a lifetime. But my, my plea would be if you are using paper plates and you love the convenience of throwing them out, um, it's really harmful to our environment. It's wasteful. Um, and this is something that we can all do that makes a really significant impact. Is there anything Absolutely. that, sorry, Michelle. Is I was it, just going to say, it's funny that you mentioned New Zealand because our teammates in New Zealand, the first thing they said is we already do this. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't when we sent the announcement, they're like, New Zealanders already protect the earth. I mean, we got all those comments and it it was amazing, but I brought them to the table because I was like, you're right, you do. Share what you do. Let's work together. And so just having those different perspectives and voices, I think sometimes in the U.S., you know, we get so focused on what we do in the U.S. There's so many different perspectives that we need to bring to the table. And that helps push the ESG message, just showing how People are already doing this. It's already incorporated into their daily lives. They don't even think about it. It, They just Mm -hmm. do it. And so it can become that way here and everywhere else in the world. Thank you so much for giving Team New Zealand an opportunity to be thought leaders because that's very rare for us. (laughs) Really appreciate it. Um, I was curious, you know, the the social side of things is kind of nebulous. It's not necessarily well-defined. It could be read rather broadly, do you have any thoughts on what a, what the focus area for the social side should be, or at least a starting point? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what's what's happening today, we see a lot of the DE&I, which is amazing. People mm-hmm. are really focused on the DE&I. Um, I think the other aspect of it is, you know, modern day slavery and human rights. We we always think about modern day slavery as the sex trade, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the first thing that pops into mind. But right now, I believe the statistics are 20 to 30 million modern day slaves out there today, which is more than any other point in history. 70% mm. of those are in the labor industry. 
Wow. So when we're thinking about modern day slavery and it is everywhere, it's in the U S mm-hmm. it's in the mm-hmm. UK, it's, you know, it's not just, you know, what people traditionally think of when they think of slavery. And so being aware of that and focusing on that in your program. And when you're looking at suppliers and running that due diligence, really be aware and train your staff to look for the warning signs. So we're doing some great work behind DE&I and we we have a lot more work to do in that area, but also Mm -hmm. remembering the other side of social is very valuable and important. Fantastic. And in terms of your DE&I, are you in compliance taking charge of that or is another group are you cross collaborating and sharing so we do in my current role we actually have an amazing um amazing senior leader that's taken that on mm. um and she she's running with it and we are supporting it so we work and we collaborate and we support in any way we can um especially you know with the compliance side and policies and training but also just being another voice and another advocate in that area Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't own it, but I absolutely support it and do everything I can to help push initiatives along from my role. I bet your previous experience um, working in this area has been really helpful to the company too. It has, absolutely. It, it definitely helps with buy-in. I mean, when anybody, because we've all been there when we're trying to push through new things and gaining that buy-in and mm-hmm. having people believe in you and being those other, you know, um, pillars of strength mm-hmm. always come. Andy. So having that experience and being able to bring that to my new role has been really amazing. Awesome. And at CSG, you've really hit the ground running in terms of, you know, already needing to to build out a team and you've been busy securing great talent. And it's a really interesting time to be hiring right now um, throughout the the great resignation as people are truly reflecting on um, the fact that going into work, it, it, it takes a huge toll on us. There's an opportunity cost to doing so. Um, and so what can you tell us um, about some of the lessons that you've learned from the experience of hiring during this quite spectacular time in history? Yeah, it has been definitely a very interesting process. Um, some bumps along the way and some lessons learned. I think in general, hiring during the pandemic is interesting. We're doing it in new ways, right? We're doing virtual, phone, video. You don't have that in-person energy or that in-person meeting to really feel that, you know, there's that value of in-person, right? You, mm-hmm. That connection, it's easier to make a quicker connection. And so we're really having to trust our gut when doing video interviews and, um, change the way we think about how we hire somebody, how we onboard them, how we train them, you know, to our ways of working. But with the great resignation, it's been more challenging because Mm. you do have so many applicants. People are throwing their resumes out to change careers or see Mm. what happens. Um, You go to hire somebody and their company doesn't want to have to go through the process at this point in time of, you know, looking for new people. So they offer they counter offer. Um, we offered somebody and that person had three other offers. My goodness. There's just so many people trying to hire. Mm-hmm. So definitely some bumps. What I would say again um, is my new favorite quote from my chief risk officer is patience and grace. I mean, mm. really taking a step back and don't rush it. Don't jump into anything just because you feel like it's your only option. Be patient with the process and you're going to find the right fit for your team. And I've really been able to onboard some quality individuals who have hit the ground running and are just as excited with me to build 
our program. That's amazing. And I think patience and grace is a really lovely um, slogan, if you will, for the ethics function, really nice values to have, you know, always taking the high road and um, playing the long game. So Mm -hmm. I, I can see why you've picked up the mantle. So I think as well, that's uh, useful advice for those the other way around. Um, For those who are looking for a job, no matter how um, disenchanted you've become at your current place, having patience and grace to realize it makes no sense jumping out of somewhere only to end up somewhere equally as bad or heaven forbid, even worse. So really take the time to evaluate whether it's the right fit for both parties um, before jumping in. What advice do you have for great women in compliance who are currently seeking out their first position as the head of the compliance function? That's a good question. I would, I would recommend reaching out to people in the field in those positions. Um, you know, finding a mentor is, is key, really having somebody to help guide you because it, it is nervous. You know, we all question when we see the job descriptions out there, sometimes, you know, we have, 90% of it that are missing one piece. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, you know, went through the process earlier this year, I was honest during my interview process, you know, I've done this, this, and this, but this area, which happens to be, I own insurance. I'm, I haven't had experience mm-hmm. in it. Typically, That's always in my experience fell under finance. And so that's something I've had to kind of hit the ground running and learn, but I think the fact that I was honest with them up front and saying, I have this gap, but mm-hmm. I'm 100% on board with willing to learn, um, gave them, you know, the confidence in me as I moved through the process. But really what it came down to for me was just having those people in my life that, um, you know, as you guys like to say, sent the elevator back down, really mm-hmm. helped guide me. It gave me the opportunity to chase after things and grow. Mm-hmm. And I would say for anybody, whether they're looking for, you know, a chief compliance officer position or even want to move into compliance, find somebody in the field that is willing to take that time. And whether it's, you know, meeting on a monthly cadence or a quarterly, helping, you know, provide that advice to help push you forward and give you the confidence to step out. Because sometimes we're ready. We just we don't have the confidence within ourselves, right? It can be mm. scary taking on that role. Mm-hmm. And so having those other people, you know, champion behind and pushing us forward is always a benefit. Um, mm. I would say always be a lifelong learner. If you feel like you're already overly qualified, you have nothing else to learn, mm-hmm. probably not the best fit for you because mm. in compliance, it's always changing and we're always learning something always is coming down the pipe. That's new and we're having to Mm -hmm. figure out. So I would say find those people that help support you and push you up and Mm -hmm. give you the guidance that, you know, you need and the honest feedback. We don't want somebody that's always telling us how wonderful we are Mm -hmm. because I mean, I've got a list that I can tell you are my areas of opportunity that I work on on a regular basis. Um, But it's having those people that are going to be honest and open with you and taking that feedback and applying Mm -hmm. it. So I think that's really great advice. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about that in terms of identifying people and then also making the case for them to give up their time to work with you, right? Um, I know that there are some individuals in compliance who um, get a lot of these requests, you know, for informational interviews. Will you be my mentor kind of thing? So how how did you first off identify 
the right personal people for you to establish this relationship? And then how did you figure out how, how am I going to get them to buy in and say yes to me? Right. So I think the biggest key is not finding somebody you're comfortable with, but finding somebody that's different than you, somebody that's going to challenge you and somebody that's going to make you step out of your comfort zone. Um, And so I did that through conference. You know, I met, I met different people. My boss at Insight, Lisanne Steinheiser has been amazing and instrumental in my career. She's given me the ability to grow. And um, I definitely had to be persistent and, you know, pull stuff from her because when you've been doing it for so long, you don't always think about everything that you have to offer, everything that you've learned along the way. Right. So Mm -hmm. asking those open-ended questions, but it doesn't even necessarily have to be somebody in compliance. It can be somebody in a field related to compliance. It can be, um, you know, a different part of the business world that you don't have as much experience because compliance does touch every part of the business. Mm. And so learning how to work with, you know, different people and getting that mentor feedback. um, I would just say, you know, really go out, think about where you need to grow as an individual, be Mm self-aware and find people that fit that. Don't just go after the people you you know, there's so many great leaders in compliance, um, you being one of them. Oh I my think gosh. That because you're out there with a the pot, you know, with the podcast, people recognize you and say, I want you to be my leader because they listen to you and, you know, you, you've been wonderful. But I think, you know, really thinking outside the box and looking mm-hmm. for people that maybe aren't, because even as mentors, we grow, right? I learn from mm-hmm. people that I mentor. And yep. so there's always that opportunity. Um, so don't just start, stop with, you know, don't set your, eyesight on one person, look around, take, you can learn something from anybody regardless of their position and regardless of what field they're in. I love that from a diversity standpoint, it makes a whole lot of sense. And when you think about the skill that you need for when you're job hunting and securing a role, that's a business transaction, right? Um, That is not at its core, a a compliance skill set. So thinking about, hey, who is commercially savvy? who is a good negotiator, um, who's got a, a, a good eye for noticing talent um, and being able to extract that from me and helping me market it. So many mm-hmm. different um, people that you could look to. I, I really love that perspective. That was a great tip. Thank you. Oh, and thank you for the compliment. Um, <laughs> so, um, Michelle, I want to um, change tack a little bit and, and speak more about you um, in relation to, to being a person in addition to um, being a professional. And I think you're really quite the formidable individual. You successfully balance parenting responsibilities as a single mom while climbing the career ladder. So um, I know that we do have single parent listeners Um, And I'd I'd love to hear how your role outside of work informed your success in the office. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's definitely been a journey. We, uh, we definitely grew up learning together, I would say with my son and I, Um, I think it's being strategic. I think that that's actually what led me out of sales was you know, when you're in sales, you're only as good as your last week or your last month. Mm -hmm. And so there's that constant need to always be selling and always be on. And it makes it very hard to, you know, balance life as a single parent. And so I made a a decision to take a step back and I took a position where I could work from home, which led me into compliance. It was a quality position. 
And I think that gave me the opportunity to reset and establish my goals and think about what I wanted to do long-term. And so at that point, he was at the end of elementary school, moving into middle school. And so I started planning, I figured out what I wanted to do and started planning my education and where I needed to learn, where I could gain the skill set, what I needed to do to get to where I wanted to be once he was more self-sufficient. But also, you know, I'm a very quiet person outside of work. I'm very, you know, locked down that emotion. My mom was an army brat, military Mm -hmm. family. And my son, you know, growing through this, this era and, you know, his generation, they're very much aware of feelings, right? We talk about this generation really bringing up how the emotion plays a part in decisions and everything we do in life. And so he has the ability to have those deeper conversations and bring it out of me. And it's forced me to learn to have them playing, you know, both parts. And um, I think that's made me a better leader because it's Mm -hmm. not something I'm not just focused on the end result. And I don't Mm -hmm. try you know, as, as moms, we tend to be find solutions if there's a problem, right? Let me fix that. Mm-hmm. Let me find that. <laughs> you know, let me just handle it real quick because we're so busy. <laughs> you know, it makes it so much easier. And so it's made me very self-aware. And he's, you know, kids are brutally honest and they'll be very honest with you. And so being it's made me self-aware and he calls me out on stuff, which I appreciate. It can be challenging to hear, but being a better leader and allowing people to learn and allowing people to fall and make mistakes because no matter what we tell people, the real people learn best when they make the way they've made an error, right? They Mm -hmm. learn from it, they grow from it. Errors are what makes us who we are and it's, Mm -hmm. it's what drives us. And so as moms, we want to protect and we want to make sure nobody gets hurt and their feelings don't get hurt and they don't Mm -hmm. make a mistake and they don't Mm -hmm. fall down, you know? And so allowing that to happen is probably one of the hardest things to go through as a parent. Um, But it's the most rewarding and it's the most rewarding for children to be able to pick themselves back up and know that they Mm -hmm. can do it. So I apply that to work too. I definitely protect my team and I, they -hmm. know that I will always back them up um, Mm -hmm. and I'm always there for them, but I definitely give them, you know, the ability to make mistakes and Mm -hmm. have a safe space to make mistakes. Right. I'm not going to, you know, they're not going to get in trouble. I don't want that fear, that command and control. I want them to be able to learn and grow. So I think that's made me a better, you know, leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I'm not perfect by any means. And there's definitely been bumps <laughs> along the way. Um, I've got some great stories around that, but um, <laughs> it definitely has helped. And just having that sense of humor, right? We're always so stressed. If you, I always say, if you don't laugh, you cry. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always kind of the one just laughing or making jokes about things because it is what it is and you know it makes life easier well I will get you to hold on to some of those stories and you can send them through for our next horror Halloween episode absolutely (laughs) he's an adult now nobody can call CPS for good (laughs) talk about it now (laughs) I'm sure it wasn't that bad but a good sense of humor yeah (laughs) Um, and so thinking a lot, I, I, you know, with your, your son more grown up and independent and self-sufficient now, um, I, I would guess that the ride is somewhat easier than at times where you were very actively parenting. Um, so you're probably no stranger to life getting overwhelming as with all of us. Um, what's your tried and true resolu- resolution to quickly restore calm? 
So I have a, I have a couple different things and it changed when we mm-hmm. went remote, right? Because our business oh. place is now our home and it's hard right. to have that separation. And so for me, a big part of it is music. Um, mm-hmm. I have music playlists for different moods or if I need to change my mood. So if I need to be strong and, you know, just more on the, not really aggressive, but more, you know, structured, I have like hip hop songs and, you know, different things from like the nineties. And then if I need to like be in a happy mood, I'll play songs from the fifties and sixties. You just can't, you know, you always have a smile on your face when those come on the radio. So I have Mm. all different playlists and I'll listen to music. I'll watch quick little funny videos. Um, But really when I need, when it feels like the walls are caving in and just everything's hitting at once. For me, I like to get outdoors and I'll take a walk, right. Mm -hmm. And just clear my head. Um, And then once I do that and I've, I've kind of gotten that energy out, I can then sit back and say, what is it that I actually care about? Right. Cause so much stuff comes at us in compliance and Mm -hmm. in our personal lives where Mm -hmm. things are hitting all at once. And it can, your emotions can play into that or, you know, when it all hits at once, it feels like everything's coming down and it's it's really breaking that down and said, what is the priority? What are the most urgent that need to be handled right away? What are the, what's the low hanging fruit that I can click quickly clear off my plate? Um, And what do I actually care about? Because there's so much stuff that may seem important, but it's not something that we necessarily even care about or need Mm -hmm. to deal with. Um, it's just noise. Right. Mm-hmm. And so really getting that clarity to break it down and figuring out next steps and an approach that'll work and handling it more of a tactical way. Once, you know, I've, I've cleared my head on a walk. So I think, um, Lisa Fine, uh, would be very happy to hear that she has another hip hop buddy in the <laughs> compliance space. I will do a secret shame reveal, Um, when I was studying for exams, as with most people who ended up studying law, I was terrible at math and I was so nervous before my, um, what we call fifth form in New Zealand, uh, actually it it isn't even called that anymore because now we're aging, Michelle and I are the same age. Um, and so when you're 15, there is this examination, it used to be called school certificate and it was very important for setting your academic success and an indicator as to whether you would, you know, get to where you wanted to be at university. And I could not stop my heart from thumping and I was sweating and it was before I was due to go into school to take it. So my secret shame obsession um, is the Carpenters. And so I would play Karen Carpenter songs and it worked a treat. So I think I'm like the complete opposite from Lisa Fine and her Beastie Boys. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, as we've talked about, diversity uh, makes for a particularly strong team. So um, with that, uh, I thank you so much for your time. Really awesome um, to have you on the show. And, and thank you for, for being a, a supporter of the podcast right from the beginning. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been an honor to be on. I've, like I said, long time listener, first time, <laughs> first time attending or being on it. So it was awesome. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.